If we went to our audience and said, hey, we're thinking about 10,000 of you getting in this club, 5,000 of you, let's get a number. We're gonna shut it off at some point, but we're gonna let you own your membership into the club. And we're gonna maybe fractionalize royalties at some point if there's other things in the back end that you don't need to understand or, or worry about, which in our mind it would be things go on chain, accountability, all these sort of things that we can follow on a smart contract. If we were gonna fractionalize parts of the royalties to you guys, because you guys are our greatest evangelists, and we're gonna allow you to go to shows and we're gonna drop you ticket stubs that you could sell later and do all these things, but we left the NFT word out of it. The idea would be, well, how are you doing all that? Well, we're doing it with this technology, right? It's a technology that's a non-fungible token. It's an NFT. But if you actually tell them what they're actually getting without, hey, you're buying an NFT, what do I get with the NFT? No, it's you get all these things. And the NFT is the technology that we're using to bring it all together so that we can provide things for you. Welcome to the NFT Now podcast. Every Wednesday, we speak with trailblazing artists, collectors, and technologists about how NFTs are redefining the creative economy and how you can be a part. I'm Sam Heisel. I'm Alejandro Navia. And I'm Matt Medved, and we're on a mission to empower the creators of culture. Welcome to the show. Bam, bam, bam. Another week, another NFT Now podcast. Welcome back, everybody. How are we feeling? Matt, what's good? Feeling great, Sam. How about you? I'm clearly feeling good, man. This caffeine is hitting. Let's go. <laughs> Who we got lined up today? Oh, man. We got a really special guest. Uh, we've got Avenged Sevenfold, multi-platinum, chart-topping heavy metal band fronted by Matt Sanders, known to his fans as M Shadows. Uh, he's joining us today. And it's really interesting because he and his bandmates were really early to embrace NFTs, beginning by collecting CryptoPunks and Bored Apes, and then launching their own Death Bats Club project in fall 2021, aimed at bringing utility to their community. And their experience was really interesting as sort of a first mover in their genre. Uh, what are you excited about for this one, Sam? I think the music industry has lots of kind of challenges within its current economic model. And I think the way that Matt and the Death Bats Club NFT project has brought forth this new world model, this new fan club united through Web3 is fascinating. I think there's tons of utility that's packed into this NFT project. And I think this will be a very, very common model for other creators, for other artists, as we continue to see more adoption with Web3. So I think he's very much at the, the forefront. I think he also does a really fantastic job at speaking on, if you're thinking about releasing your own project, how you can go about marketing it and positioning it in a way that's going to resonate with your audience and with your community. I think there's a lot of big brands and artists coming into the space that, that aren't necessarily sure the best way to move forward. And I think he's really laid this out into a playbook of sorts that you can leverage and follow and obviously come up with your own creative ideas as well. With that said, super excited to dive in. If you haven't already, do want to encourage you actually this time, if you could leave us a review, wherever you listen to this podcast means a lot, helps us learn what you enjoy, helps us reach new people. Your support means a lot. So definitely trying to, to spread the good word about Web3 and NFTs. So if you have a minute, just go wherever you listen to podcasts, leave that. And without any further ado, let's jump in. Matt Sanders. Matt, great to have you on the NFT Now podcast. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. You know, we're in this creative moment where um, as a band, we have a record we're working on. We're working on getting artwork ready for that. We're working on this NFT project or a Web3 kind of overtaking in terms of all the verticals in our lives. So a lot of uh, groundwork and repair going on and building. And um, just have two healthy kids and uh, just excited to get going again after COVID and life is good. 
How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm also excited to get things going again. That whole URL to IRL is such an important part of the spite of the of the space. And well, look, you know, it's been really great to see Event Sevenfold active in the NFT space. And so I'd love to just kick things off by um, hearing just a bit about your own background and and uh, and how how you guys all got into NFTs. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes all the way back to 2016 when we uh, a couple of us got into deep into crypto. Um, at the time, you know, there wasn't a lot of options. Um, there was Bitcoin and then there was, you know, the the newly emerging sort of Ethereum coming out. And I remember because I am a gamer and because I'm um, always online, um, the idea of internet money at the time made a lot of sense to me. And um, I wasn't particularly, you know, all versed in the white paper and exactly what Bitcoin solved and what Ethereum was going to solve. But I understood un- internet money. I understood um, some sort of currency that could that could be passed across all- online. And as I as I went and I signed up for Coinbase at the time, which was a total hassle at that point, I started getting more and more into the use cases of what smart contracts were, how those could change our everyday lives from everything. And I, there was a bunch of examples that were given to me at the time. But just the idea that two people permissionlessly could do some sort of work for each other, and it could you know the money would be transferred instantly. I love the idea of that. I love the idea of um, no banks. I love the idea of um, all these things that it promised. So I, I bought a lot of Ether and a lot of Bitcoin early on, and then I held on to it through all the ups and downs and was always a believer and kind of told people about it. And then in 2020, I learned about CryptoPunks. And CryptoPunks to me were kind of the first use case of this idea of um, a, a little bit of data on chain that was giving me authentication that I owned a certain image. And, and I fell in love with that. And I started, you know, sitting in the discords all day in the CryptoPunks discords and listening and participating and buying and collecting. And then I think, um, you know, which is kind of pertinent to our story, the Bored Apes uh, minted um, about a year ago. And I remember minting those and then seeing that there was utility, the idea that you could token gate this bathroom um, and you could draw on it. And I just, my mind started going crazy of all the things you could do with something like that, especially coming from, I'm an artist where we have many verticals in our lives, um, whether it's the publishing or the, the royalties or it's in real life events or it's metaverse events and token gated um, access to parties. Um, and my mind just started going crazy based on the board Apes kind of leading the way that you could basically creatively do whatever you want with these tokens if you do them correctly and build them correctly. From there, we built out a project and um, and every single day I've learned more and more and more. But, you know, originally I cut my teeth in those early punks chats in the discords and jumping in the art blocks and learning from all the people that I consider the OGs in the space, the snow froze and the, the guys like D's and the guys that kind of I was able to quickly connect with and then be able to bounce ideas and and these kind of fantastical ideas I had off of people like that. Um, And so that's kind of where we're at today. 
Yeah, no, it's been really cool to see Event Sevenfold kind of get into the space before a lot of a lot of your contemporaries. You know, I I grew up listening to punk rock, to heavy metal, but it was really through dance music that I actually made my way into the music industry prior to getting into NFTs. And it's interesting because a lot of the artists who were really early to NFTs, kind of pushing music NFTs like Blau and RAC, come from that dance music world. Um, and so I was just curious, like, why do you feel like sort of the rock and and metal spaces have been maybe a bit slower to catch up to to NFTs and Web three? It's so hard. I don't know. Um, you know, I have my theories and I go in and out of, of the reasons. I think it's an age thing too, culturally. Um, you know, a lot of the guys that grew up listening to us ended up being DJs. Um, they're younger than us, right? So Marshmello, um, you have all these guys, the Skrillexes of the world. They were all, they grew up on Avenged Sevenfold and hardcore music and Warp Tour and this and that. And they're younger than us. They're a, ge- a generation younger. And they got into EDC and dance music and, and being DJs. But culturally, it seems like they get it, right? I remember when the chain smokers had changed their profile picture to a board ape. And we had changed ours to a punk a couple months previous. And people were so mad at us. Like our fans were just like, garbage. What is that? It's a scam. Like, why would you do that? And we had done it because we had traded an NFT we had made for a punk and we thought it was cool. I reached out to those guys in the chain smokers. I said, how'd, the, how'd your fans react to that? And they're like, oh, they love it. And I was like, there couldn't be two different of, a, of reactions. You couldn't have got a more different reaction, right? Their fans were pumped. They had a board ape. Our fans were disgusted that we had a crypto punk as a, an IG um, profile pic. And um, I think, you know, the, the metal and rock audience has also been very slow to move on things like streaming. They've been very slow. They want a physical product, even though we all know CDs are much harder to purchase now. They're much harder to even get a car that's going to play a CD. It's much harder to have any sort of use case for a CD at this point. They they still want that physical product, um, whether it's vinyl or CD. And, and then you have this other genre of music that's just going, right? And I really, I really believe that if you allow yourself to be shut off to the to these inroads we're making on technology and, and all these sort of cool things, I really feel like you sort of die inside. Like it, you, you sort of stop trying to push the limits and start and keep innovating. And you're going to start repeating yourself, even musically, even creatively. Because what, what this whole blockchain thing has done, and the reason I'm staying away from the word NFTs is we can discuss it later. Um, but this whole blockchain, what it's done is opened up so many possibilities that's actually going to make their life better in so many ways. They just need to understand that and buy in and participate. And then they'll see that we can actually offer them so many more things that they want from us. These things they used to pay for that they never owned, we can actually give to them now. And, and But until they take that leap where they have to kind of sit there and go, okay, right-click saving doesn't actually get me what I think it gets me. That isn't actually a good argument, right? Or the reason why the blockchain works is because there's not a centralized um, authenticator. It's because there's all these other nodes and things we want to stay away from the big words to some of these people. Just it's imagine it's all the supercomputers that are authenticating your transaction to make sure it's not somebody that can take it from you. Once you explain this to them and they kind of get it, it's that aha moment that we all had at one point, right? It's that aha moment where you go down the rabbit hole and you go, oh, so I can do this, this, and this, and there's no one to tell you you can't because the space is still being shaped. We get to create what the space is going to be. And that's why it's so exciting to people like me where it's like, 
Let's create it in an ethical way. Let's create it in a way that's for the audience, for the fans in our particular vertical. And let's make this industry a better industry than we came into it. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And, you know, I, I can empathize with that too. Like I saw that firsthand, my, I got into the music industry. I founded Billboard Dance. So it was the dance music audience. And after that, I ran Spin Magazine, very different audience. And I would, even before NFTs, you know, an older audience, a more legacy. And, and I saw how they would react differently to, to stories. And that, that would have gone over a very different way with that younger, maybe more tech savvy audience as well. And I think at a certain level, you know, you know, people fear what they don't understand. And, um, and it, it's easy to feel like, you know, it's easy to feel daunted by uh, all of these new technologies, especially something as like as cutting edge as Web3, NFTs, blockchain, et cetera. Um, and I think part of it is just kind of breaking down those those barriers and, and finding ways to, to educate in a way that actually speaks to those audiences, right? Yes. And, and to go back to why I stayed away from the word NFT, I feel like it's been so overused when it's not the actual thing you're purchasing most of the time. So let me give you an example. Like if we went to our audience and said, hey, we're thinking about 10,000 of you getting in this club, 5,000 of you, let's get a number. We're going to shut it off at some point, but we're going to let you own your membership into the club. And we're going to maybe fractionalize royalties at some point if there's other things in the back end that you don't need to understand or, or worry about, which in our mind, it would be things go on chain, accountability, all these sort of things that we can follow on a smart contract if we were going to fractionalize parts of the royalties to you guys, because you guys are our greatest evangelists and we're going to allow you to go to shows and we're going to drop you ticket stubs that you could sell later and do all these things. But we left the NFT word out of it. The idea would be, well, how are you doing all that? Well, we're doing it with this technology, right? It's a technology that's a non-fungible token. It's an NFT. But if you actually tell them what they're actually getting without, Hey, you're buying an NFT. And what do I get with the NFT? No, it's you get all these things. And the NFT is the technology that we're using to bring it all together so that we can provide things for you. I wonder if that would have been a better way for us to go about it. Because as soon as people hear NFT, it doesn't matter what you're providing them. It's a scam. It's a Ponzi. I can't believe you've turned on us like this. You're, you're, we're relating it to, you know, we see those dumb apes sell for a bunch of money. And why are you trying to sell us a million dollar coin? Well, we're not. We, we never have our, our, the membership into our club is a hundred dollars. It's been 150 bucks, right? Ethereum goes up and down. These things, these, these things waver within another currency, but at the end of the day, you can't just come at us and say, we're selling you a rich man's scheme when really we're providing you this whole, like this whole ecosystem of things that you're ignoring because the word NFT is in there. Maybe the best thing for us to do was just use the NFT as the back end. But then again, you have all these issues. And I'm sorry, I'm playing this out with you guys on this podcast. But then we maybe you have it. the issue of like there's security, right? There's all these things you need to teach people about NFTs on why they need to stay safe. So I get why we do this. But at the same time, every vertical of NFTs cannot be put in the same basket because a punk and a Fidenza and a Death Bat and a Bored Ape is not the same as your bus ticket or your, your, uh, you know, your, your DAO that is buying, purchasing a house or your, um, you know, your, your deed to your house or your loan. These are all different things that are going to be use cases of NFTs. And when we use the word NFT right now, it just gets clouded with the scams and the pump and dumps and the, the, you know, the, the fantastical speculation that comes with gambling and being a degenerate. But the reality is all these things 
are NFTs, but they're going to be, they need to be spoken different or about differently in my opinion. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think it's, uh, I mean, even within music, there's nobody's like, oh, I just got this new wave file or, oh, I just got this new MP3. It's like this very invisible layer, like you're there to consume the music. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's exciting to see projects like yours that are, are bringing thoughtful, meaningful utility where people are able to look past like, oh, this is an NFT and, and are really able to engage from the perspective of the value proposition that they're able to engage with you in new ways, which is fascinating. Now, I'm curious too, because as we look back in time, like there's, as new disruptive technologies come to market, it's often met with lack of full understanding from the broader community that ends up using them. I mean, even uh, initial hesitation around social media. And I know given that Event Sevenfold was kind of formed around late 90s, 99, um, I mean, you saw the rise of piracy, then kind of replaced by this new model of streaming. Like, do you feel like this is the next big tech shift in music? I do, but I don't think it's going to be necessarily the way that people think it's going to play out. I think Web2 works incredibly well for the consumer in music right now. I think there's many verticals here, right? There's the publishing aspect and the fractionalized royalties of that or owning a piece of a song. And then there's owning a song, which to me is a does not compute for me in a way yet. And then we can, we can discuss that. Then there's the fan club aspect where there's all those things kind of rolled into one, but there's the real life experiences and there's this and that. I think where Web3 is going to help the industry is on the back end. What I mean by that is, I mean, when you get a play on Spotify right now, it there's a lot of paperwork and it goes through a lot of things that you close doors that you don't really see what's going on. The, the blockchain can bring a lot of accountability to streaming. There's no reason why an artist shouldn't get a stream and then get paid within 24 hours or less of that stream happening. And smart contracts can be written to pay off all the things that need to be paid off and royalties can go wherever they go. We all know this can be done um, autonomously at this point. I think for artists, it's going to create better revenue streams and it's going to be a better way to negotiate your contracts, right? Because right now, if you actually saw what was going on, people would be like, what the heck? Like, I'm getting paid 24 cents on the dollar by Warner. They've been given a bunch of um, equity in Spotify. So they've given up even worse rates because they have a portion of the pie that doesn't get shared with the artists. And then Spotify pays us 80%, but really it's going through this back door and then you're going to have to get a bunch of lawyers and, and audit all these people to get the money. There's no reason why that can't be worked out on Web3. Now, if you go to the other side as a consumer and say, well, hey, I want to publish some of this um, or I want to own some of the publishing of say, um, let's say like Bob Dylan or whatever it is. Like, I think that's tough too, because right now with NFTs, they're trading at like 250X what they're worth. It doesn't make sense. The real The real price for publishing is around... 25 to 30 X is what the market's paying. And these are people that are buying them that know how to get songs synced. They know how to create money out of the, out of the, um, the publishing that they're buying. So if you're going to be a consumer that kind of lets maybe a, a, a larger entity kind of take the lead and get these things synced and played and placed places, then maybe it makes sense, but not at 250 X, these prices need to come down. The reality needs to sink into what NFTs really are. Like, are you buying something because it's an NFT and I have a 200X value on it because I'm speculating on something? Or is it going to be more based on reality where it's like, this is what the publishing is worth. This is what it, here's the, the roadmap of what it's been worth for the last 10 years. And here's, here's a, like a more realistic down to earth price. So 
I think there's a lot of things that need to work for the traditional people that are in music NFTs right now, where they just go, Hey, buy these things. And they're all going to be worth a bunch of money and, and uh, own a song and, you know, turn a music listener into a, an art collector in a way. I've had these conversations with um, some of the guys that are deep into space. And I just don't, I don't get it yet. I think the way to go about this is the fan club aspect. And then you under promise over deliver. And if you want to fractionalize royalties, you do it, but you do it to people that uh, without the promise of it, but that's just me. But there's a lot of use cases. You can do so many things. It's kind of crazy. My mind just explodes every time I think about it because there's a lot of use cases. That's what interests me anyways. Yeah. 1000%. No, and I think it's fascinating too, because there's just so much white space and all these different potential applications and excited to see which models emerge. I mean, I, I definitely think what you've done with the kind of death bats club has been uh, really fascinating from perspective of utility and just offering this new way to engage and reward your fan base. And I, I, I see that becoming a very prominent model, but I'm curious too. And I know you alluded to some, but like, having been in the music industry for a while, like, there's some inequities, there's some exploitation. Um, what do you think are some of the like biggest problems within the music industry at a bigger, at a more macro level that might be able to be addressed here as well? Well, um, so this tool is coming along right at the right time, right? And this tool isn't the answer to some of the problems, but as these other problems work themselves out, the tool will be there. And the tool, I mean, blockchain, the tool will be there to kind of pick up the, the dead weight of what would have been like, the, it'll be the new path forward. Um, so I think there's a, a cultural way this happens. And then there's the, the behind the scenes way that this happens. I think labels are finding it harder to show their worth, right? So these deals that we all got in, the, the deal was, yeah, we're going to take a bad royalty and we're going to take a bunch of money up front. And the idea is you got to get us on MTV and you're going to get us on K-Rock and you're going to get us on these active radio stations and you're going to help with touring and do all these things, right? Now that these drivers have gone away, the labels really, they're sitting there going, well, let's start a viral moment on TikTok. Let's do like, they're, they're, they're completely shifting, but these things don't cost as much money. The thing about maybe going into Best Buy and having to get a CD, well, in the early days, they would have to pay for that placement. And they had to make the CDs and they had to make all this physical product. Now all that weight has been taken off. So now these deals have to get reworked in a way that make more sense. Instead of 24 cents or 18 cents in the dollar, artists should be able to take home a significant amount more. Now you take that to the streaming services and the streaming services, which pay you 80%, which isn't that egregious for their, for their services. Now, if you get more of that, now you want to see these things go on chain because you want the accountability. Who are you going to trust? Well, you don't need to trust anybody if these if the royalties are being put on chain. If the if um you know if if you play my song now, I can see that on a very you know simple UI, and I know the money is going into a wallet, and I have smart contracts that are paying everybody that need to be paid. To me, that's a much better concept for the music industry. Now, culturally, you're going to see people like Marshmallow, and you're going to be see people like Post Malone. They're going to go labelless. They're going to do these things and my kids are going to watch that on TikTok and they're going to know that that's the way. Put the music out on TikTok yourself. Put it on the new services, whatever the Web3 version of that is. Get paid for your art without having you know this overhead that the labels bring. Um, these are all things that need to be thought about deeply and they all are their own little rabbit holes. So there's no like simple answer I can say other than that will work itself out better than this old model of holding on to the past 
keeping all the money and then keeping all the accounting behind closed doors. Um, this, this amount of accountability, I think the labels will want it if they want to take a step into the future or they're not going to survive because people like my kids that are going to learn instruments that are seven and nine, they're looking up to the guys that are not going to the label. They're not, they don't see a use case for it. And so um, as these things change, you can see the guard kind of changing. And I think web three is going to be the answer. I just don't know when, what iteration that is. And I don't think it's the same for everybody. Yeah, no, I think those are great points. And it's like, when you think about it, it's like alternative rock, like punk rock, heavy metal has always been anti-establishment, you know? And it's like, so it feels like it's in keeping with the ethos. And it's like, then you look at like, all right, you know, like, the, the idea of like the fan club model was also like so key in the, in those genres. Like I grew up on like Misfits Fiend Club and like, you know, like that, that was like, that was a key part Kiss of Army, the culture. Misfits, yeah, yeah. Yep. exactly. Like that was a key part of the culture. And it's like, so like, it's interesting. Cause like on paper, it seems like it should fit and it seems like it, it would make a lot of sense. Um, and so what I'm really curious too, is because you, you have, and obviously we talked about some of the, like the issues of reaching that audience, that demographic, but um, when you launched Death Bats Club, you know, you, you did get a community response that was positive. And so I'm curious, like what insights or like lessons did you learn from, okay, okay. Maybe I'm being a little generous. Yeah. You got to mix but, but there were, but there were people who, who responded to it positively, even though there may have been a mixed reaction. Like I'm curious, or, or maybe, or maybe if it was more so negative, like, what were the lessons learned from that that you think could be applied for, for taking the, this demographic and, and this music scene and this important cultural, cultural uh, component uh, into Web3? Yeah, so I'll go through our timeline really quickly because I think it's insightful for people that are going to have to go through this, right? So the first thing we did was we released a 100, 101 um, NFTs for free that we were just kind of dipping our toe in the water. And this is like back in March. Yeah, March of last year. And a lot of it was just kind of like they ignored it because by the way, at the time, NFTs weren't that thing yet. The summer hadn't happened. People weren't really like either on either side of the fence, right? They, they, they hadn't grown to hate them yet. And so we had a bunch of, I think we had 5,000 um, MetaMask wallets sent to us. And we were going to pick 101 people. When we did that, we wrote a piece of code to look in their wallets to see, you know, if anybody were collectors. And we wanted to make sure they got into people's hands that understood what they were. And 17 people out of 5,000 had previous NFTs. So we were like shocked that none of the people from the NFT community were reaching out for these things. It was our fans, but none of them were really, you know, cross streams yet. And so we gave these out and we are relatively silent on it. Um, and people that got them were pumped and people that didn't get them were kind of blew them off. When we decided to do the Death Bats Club, we wrote, we, we, we decided to do a whitelist. We had 300 people sign up. That's it. And this was in the, er the early summer. And as we realized we needed to do a lot of educating, so we started making educational videos. How do you set up Coinbase? How do you set up a MetaMask? What is your address? What is security? What is this club going to entail? What are we promising you? What do, you know, all these things. And by the end of it, we had gotten a Reddit form that absolutely hated everything we were doing. We were scamming the fans. They, we were grifters. We had, they had 20 years of faith in us and we just blew it all. They'll never listen to us again. And this, this was an echo chamber of how terrible of people we were, right? How we weren't putting out a record because all we cared about was NFTs and we had just gone down the rabbit hole and we were done. Then we had these people that were on board and we ended up getting 9,100 people on the whitelist that we ended up cutting off. Um, 
when we actually minted only 4,700 people actually got them and we kind of, and it sold out kind of slow. It took a month. And we realized that most of the wallets never even got ether. They just signed up with a MetaMask and they never got past the point of getting a cryptocurrency. So we started really seeing all these like these roadblocks that were stopping them. But what happened since then was this community that was building this club out more engaged than they've ever been or that I've ever seen in any fan base. They're, they're, they understand the IP. They, they're starting companies. They are putting their new Deathbats club into the new Iron Maiden video game, which is coming out. The, the club is. We have nothing to do with it. They are, we have parties in New York that are coming out. We have all these sorts of things that we're coming up with, but these people are building and they are engaged all day on the Discord. And then you have the echo chamber on the other side. How could you do this? It's a rich fans club only. And it doesn't matter how many times you go to them and say, guys, it's a hundred bucks. It's not that much. No, you're grifting us. Guys, you don't yell at the people in the front row because they bought a more expensive ticket. We can't do VIPs for everybody. We're only five people. This is the way that we engage with people that want to build this thing. But it's become a the haves and the haves nots. And it's a really hard problem to navigate because people take it personally. And bands are going to come up against this because the board apes will never have this problem because either you're in the board apes or you're not. There's no board apes beyond the board apes. And then there's, you know, the, the portion that get the extra benefits. Yeah. It didn't so exist have, before the NFTs. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So we have this problem where if we run a fan club and we take your money on Patreon and we take your money on GoFundMe and we charge you to be in a fan club, that's acceptable. But if we have NFTs and people own their memberships and they can sell them, and they're building in this place with like Discord that they're doing this and they're going to the metaverse and they're having benefits and they're getting dropped t-shirts. That's a problem because it creates people that have and the people that have not, even though it's the exact same thing and it's only playing out in their mind. So these are problems that when bands get involved, they put, they put their, they dip their toe in. I've seen this a lot and the backlash is so heavy that they just instantly retreat. And so we've got this situation now where you have to have somebody like us who's just like, I don't know if you can cuss on here, but F it. We're rolling. We're rolling, right? Like we're, we're yeah. just going to do it. Because Cussing we is welcome on the NFT Now podcast. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, fuck it, bro. We're going. Like we're going to build this thing correctly and we're going to do it ethically. And maybe you'll thank us later. And maybe you'll just say that's where they ended their career. But we've never not taken chances. And we have to go where our heart leads us. And this is leading us not in a money way, but in a revolutionized the whole industry and the way artists relate with fans and how fans can have a piece of their membership or their favorite artist now. And so it's a, a must do for us, but I, I get why bands dip their toe in and go, oh, we'll let Avenge do it. We'll let them take the arrows. Maybe they'll die on the hill and maybe we'll come in on some new use case, but let them do it. No, well, we salute your bravery, man. It's, uh -huh. it's awesome to see the... Uh the precedent you're setting and what this can mean as a new model going forward. And I'm curious too, just to make it like super tactical, like I, like can you break down all the different elements of utility? What do people get as a result of holding one of the death batch club NFTs? Yeah. And listen, it's completely changing. And we told them in the beginning, I think a lot of these NFT projects, they don't frame it properly. The play, the, the, the space is changing so often that you need to be nimble as a team. You need to be able to say, Hey, Maybe we promised this, but that's getting old and that's not that cool anymore. Let's move on to this. So we, listen, you got all the typical stuff, right? You got the discords and you got the, you got, we have sandbox land. We are, we've already like, and we're not, 
we're not like saying, oh, we bought Sandbox. Land. We've been building in Sandbox a year before we even got into NFTs. Because, and that's another story. I, I met Sebastian and all those founders years ago, and we just ended up buying it because we thought we should build out a land and we've been building. So we're going to have tokenized events. We're going to have video games being built there. Most of them are already built. Um, we have NFT worlds, which we're doing an extraction game. We have farm pixels, which a whole bunch of our team is, a bunch of the people in the Death Bats Club are, are, pixel, are doing farm pixels and they're farming and they're creating money for the community wallet. We have video game opportunities for them. Um, when you go to live shows, there's ho apps, there's um, individual concert ticket hubs. We're working with Live Nation right now to put all of our Death Bats Club in the front of the queue for any concert that we do. Right. So you will always be able to buy tickets first. The best tickets will always be to the Death Bats Club. And we have things in place so that people can't become scalpers. We have cooldown periods for the NFTs if they move hands. We have profiles that we can see people's names that need to go and pick them up at will call. If the name changes too much, then we red flag that NFT. Right. So it's a combination of decentralized and a centralized portion of it so that fans don't get screwed over by scalpers. Right now, it would be very smart for a scalper to buy our NFT and just say, I'm going to buy all the concert tickets and just flip them to people. And so thinking through problems like that, we have a party coming up at NFT New York, um, NYC. We have, we're going to be doing private concerts for the holders. There's so many things that are coming up down the line, private um, merch, merch drops. I mean, all the typical stuff, but anything you can think of for a band, the Death Bats Club will have it first. They don't have to wait in line for concerts. They walk, they have their own line every night. They have their own merch booth every night. They have their own little VIP area. I mean, these are things that people would pay thousands of dollars, but somehow they're sitting there for a hundred dollars right now because people don't understand it. And I think once we go on tour, it's going to click in and they're going to go, oh, this is a fan club on steroids. And the more that this space gets built out, the band's going to keep bringing in more and more use cases that are just going to be incredible. Yeah. No, 1000%. Absolutely love that. And excited to see that come together uh, in tandem with the tour and just as more education occurs. And I think you alluded to it earlier, but like early on, it was like such a small subset of your fans that were already familiar with NFTs. Um, I'm also excited when like just generally a, a broader proportion of the general like music fan community um, is just more aware of this. And I think it's projects like yours that are pushing this education forward. One thing you mentioned too is like, um, kind of you could have gone this like patreon or gofundme which are other very popular mechanisms gofundme for crowdfunding patreon as far as just making sort of a fan club membership access portal um but there wasn't that that ownership with the nft can you just dive a little bit deeper as to like what excites you more about web3 and having this kind of fan club of sorts be grounded and united through an nft and through web3 versus something like a patreon yeah i think it turns the whole thing on its head right it, it makes these evangelists have something to build towards and work towards and feel like they created it themselves and that they have ownership over it. So one thing that I think is interesting and we've never done where you do these paid meet and greets or you do these paid monthly, um, you know, or, or you pay to get the option to pay for, you know, <laughs> this thing or that thing. And I feel like my biggest complaint, and we've never done that. We've always felt it was scummy. We never paid, we never allowed someone to pay to meet us. Right. So we've always done these like random drawings, these raffles for people to do it for free. And one thing that really struck with me about, and this was kind of later on, I always understood that the IP was cool to own. And I, I remember the, the, you know, the discussions with the punks and not having the IP 
and then the apes allowing the IP and then all these sorts of things. When I saw the bored and hungry fast food market go up or a fast food store go up, or when I saw all the merchandise that Snoop and them are doing in the Zoomies or whatever it is with the bored apes. And I started thinking, wow, the bigger that all these brands individually get, everybody participating in this and every holder owns it. And the band really kind of does in a way, we have 5% of whenever you change these tokens. So it's this mind flip of like, guys, take this IP that we've built for 20 years. We've put our blood, sweat, and tears into it, building this band with this death bat. These things that you've listened to, these things that, this thing that you have, have, you know, had your own blood, sweat, and tears at the concerts. We're giving you your own personalized version and go out and start your own band. Go start your own workout facility. Go start your own yoga shop, your own coffee shop. Build this up because the more you do, the bigger this gets for everybody else. There's nothing that Patreon or GoFundMe can, can have on that. That is like an incredible, like eye-opening. You just like wake up one day and go, oh my God, I'm part of, I'm part of something greater than myself. And the more work I put in, the more we all benefit. It's a, it's an, in, but, but it has to click. That's a hard concept for people to wrap their heads around because it's never been done before in this way. And, and most uncredited investors have never been a part of being in an investment team or being able to purchase something that the bank would normally have to tell you, you have to go through you know, hoops to do, to own. But these DAOs and these NFT communities, if they're building the right thing, you're going to be a part owner in something greater than yourself. And it's pretty incredible. Yeah, I think that's spot on. And, you know, it's interesting too. I thought, I thought you brought up some really good points. You talked about how so many other like bands in the space are kind of hesitant to really like jump into the water because they've seen the backlash and all that. But I'm sure that like some of them have reached out to you like like out of their own curiosity of just like, you know, oh, what's this about? What's what's that? And it's, I just love to, maybe you could speak to that a bit. Obviously, don't need to name any names, any any low-key DJs in the in the rock space, but um just like what the sentiment is among some of the musicians, even if the fans don't necessarily um uh, are, aren't quite there yet. So one guy I'll bring up because one of the first guys I brought up um about a year ago is I was, you know, I golf with Fat Mike a lot singer for no effects. And I was trying to explain this concept to him and he took it a different way, right? He's like, I'm going to sell demos that I've never released. I told him, I thought that wasn't the correct use case. I thought it was a bigger play. And he, with our team, anyways, he did that, just that. Now there's talks of communities getting together and a bunch of bands coming together. Mike went to go talk to all those bands and they all felt the backlash as soon as they mentioned it to their fans. And so they all backed, backed out. So now there's a bunch of prominent metal bands that are A-level metal bands that I know own land in the sandbox. I know they're building stuff on the back end. They have reached out. I'm trying to help them in every way I can. And there's like B-level, C-level bands as well. They're all waiting, right? They're all waiting to see how this is going to play out with us. Now, meanwhile, we're just building protocols that didn't exist before, like things like digital to physical, things like marketplaces for all these sorts of things that we're going to need, like talking to Ticketmaster, talking to all these people and getting in their back end or talking to the people in the EDC world and seeing what they're doing and we're kind of sharing tech. We're going to be building these things out, so they're going to be able to walk right in. But none of them are willing to take on this onslaught of the fans and you know and we can switch over to gaming real quick because i think it's kind of relevant you know my friend um name drop right now but guy dr disrespect 
who I've been friends with for years and years and years before he was Dr. Disrespect. We played game battles, Call of Duty together every night um, on the Xbox. Um, and he started this character and now it's it's insane, right? But he's he's got his game or he's got his Midnight Society starting and he's going all in on the NFTs. But we text on the side all the time because no matter what he puts out, you're a scammer, you're a grifter, where's the game? Why don't I see trailers? Why don't I see, the, and it's like, people don't understand it. So he's going through the same thing, but I respect him deeply because he's the same as us. And he's saying, I don't care. I'm going to put it all on the line because I know this is the right way. I know this is the future. And so you're going to need to have some people that just do it. And we're that, we're that for music. Um, he's that for gaming for sure um, because he's got his reputation on the line. And I think once, once communities demand it, they're going to demand it eventually. Eventually you're going to come to an Avenged Sevenfold show and you're going to have such a better experience. Then you're going to go to like a, let's just name a random band. You're going to go to a Breaking Benjamin show and they're not going to have NFTs involved. And it's going to be like, oh, I got to get my ticket there. And oh, I got to wait in this line. And I'm in the fan club, but I got to do this. And oh, I, I don't want to be in the fan club anymore, but I spent a bunch of money so I can't sell my membership. So all of a sudden people are going to go, oh, that's a better model. I want, I want to have control over how I use my money or my finances or how I use my interaction with this community. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, no, it's super fascinating and super exciting. And no disrespect to Breaking Benjamin. I'm friends with those guys. I'm just pulling yeah. a name, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shots fired. No, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. Um, what's it called? So I think as we look further into the future, as this continues to, as there continues to be broader adoption, market education, um, streamlined user experience, making it easier for people that aren't already deep down the rabbit hole. Like, how do you envision the future of music both in like the metaverse and just more broadly speaking within web three. I believe, um, you know, we're going to continue to lose the gatekeepers, but we're also going to continue to lose the drivers. Um, everything in this, our attention is so split now with the, you got to think video games didn't exist when our parents were growing up listening to classic rock. And you got to think that there's now multiple places where you can spend your time. You know, that's why sports have kind of taken a back seat. Some, and video, you got you video games, sports, music, you got all these things that are taking up our time. And as you lose those drivers, I think bigger and bigger artists will be few and far between. And people will just be listening to things that they want to listen to in their own bubble. There'll be things that like the Radiohead um, sort of mantra since day one, which is we're ignoring it all, but we're really building out our fan base and we're building out our bubble and our ecosystem. And we're super serving those fans. I think artists will go more independent. They'll have control over their finances. The, the fans will participate in those things where the artist lets them. I believe fans will have um, more reason to evangelize their favorite artist because they will own um, their fan clubs, whatever that is. And I believe we're going to see a lot of creativity come out of this space. But I believe that mega juggernaut artist is going to slowly go away. I believe big hits will be smaller hits. And I believe we'll have a more of an even playing ground, but you won't see the Beatles or the Metallicas or those sorts of bands come out and they just dominate the whole spectrum because I believe those drivers are going to go away. Um, the MTVs and you're already seeing the MTVs and the radio stations. No one listens to that anymore. They're all in their own little bubble and their own art or algorithm. And so you, as an artist, you have to be cognizant of that, that you might not reach that level, but you can reach a very cool level by building something very um, heartfelt and endearing and awesome to your fans and, and really super serving them. 
Yeah, I love that. And that, that kind of goes back to the whole idea of like the 1000 true fans, you know, Kevin Kelly, which, which really, really, love, I think, well encapsulates the promise of NFTs. Um, I'm curious to hear, like, what advice would you have to uh, someone who wants to start a rock band, a, a punk band, a, a metal band in 2022, um, but with this technology at their at their fingertips? Like, how would you kind of have, do you think you would have approached like, um, you know, the early days of, of building a fan base and all that differently if those if that technology had been available to you? Yeah, because I think um, I think once we get broader adoption, I don't want to be clueless to the fact that you go play at Chain Reaction right now, which if you guys aren't from here, it's a 300 cap venue. It's where we cut our teeth growing up, right? Like trying to you get 15 people there, then you get 70 people there, then you, you know, someday sell it out. But you have 300 people there. I don't want to be clueless to the fact that you can't tell those 300 people, hey, you should buy our NFT. You're going to own a portion of this next record. But in the future, I would much rather go buy an NFT with some sort of equity stake in whatever they're going to create next, almost as a crowdfunding um, of bands I like instead of a t-shirt. I would like to see where bands don't have to go to the label and take the crap deal because their fans are crowdfunding it. And you could promise something much smaller to a fan who's going to be much happier. Say, say 15% of the overall sales of this record or this cycle or in for eternity go to those 1000 token holders, right? Now the band is crowdfunding in the beginning. They can get with a producer. They can buy studio time because they have the money. And now they're giving up 15% instead of 85, or they, they keep 85% instead of giving up 76% or is what most artists do, 80, 82%, right? And now all of a sudden they're in control of their destiny. Now you have these evangelical, or these evangelical fans that are just, you got to listen to this. You got to listen to this. I own a part of this thing. This record is so cool. Look at what they did. And now these guys grow up with you and they feel like they've, they've they helped bring the band up to the current level. So I, I see it as a crowdfunding source in a way, but right now that wouldn't happen because who, what are you going to do? Stand on stage and go, Hey, what's up with NFTs? You guys, anyone out there want to buy our, our token? I swear it's a deal. And lighters up for up. NFTs. Yeah, but lighters <laughs> up for NFTs. And again, why I want to change the conversation. And I'm mad at myself for not figuring this out earlier. What if you, what if you propose that idea to people and said, we're going to go on tour, but we're going to be selling you guys a portion of our future royalties. And you never brought up the word NFT. And then when it happened, you said, by the way, you need MetaMask and we're going to send you your receipt. We're going to send you your receipt. And by the way, it's got a cool logo on it. So if you want to put it on Twitter, you can like, you know, that's your tribe. Like, you know, the people that have done it. It'd be such a like easier, smoother transition, I feel, than saying like, hey, we're kind of like those bored apes and these things cost a million dollars. And I know that people are speculating and now there's goblins and it's a, who's going to, you know, who's going to like hold the potato last, like it's a much healthier way to go about it. But when you're in it, I don't think many of us saw the foresight in that. And I think a lot of times with humans, it's how you get explained something, not what you're being told. Um, and so I'm going to start with that. This is what you get. And by the way, the, 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 the secret piece is that we got to send you an NFT. <laughs> but, uh, instead of like, hey, buy our Don't NFT. tell anybody. Yeah, yeah don't, don't tell anybody. It's an NFT. <laughs> but anyways, I mean, I think you guys see where I'm going with it, but with the education that needs to go along with it. But I think it's the way we've, we've become a cult in a way and it's not healthy the same way that when we had Bitcoin in the beginning and it's still cultish, it just turns people off. And you got to really realize how people on an emotional level in, or uh, react to things. And I think we need to do a better job of 
welcoming those people by sharing the benefits and not necessarily. No, I think, I think those are great points and, and insights across the board. Thank you, Matt. Um, but look, as we, as we bring things uh, to a close, just want to also check in on, on what do you have coming up? What's up, what's next for event sevenfold? What's next for uh, Death Bats club? Uh, love to hear. Yeah. So we're finishing up a record right now. <clears throat> we have a party at Death Bats club. So we'll go back and forth. We're finishing up a record. A party at Death Bats Club at NFT New York, where we get to meet all the <clears throat> meet a lot of these people for the first time. Gonna have some fun there. We had a lot of surprises that were again though, under promise, over deliver. And then um, we're testing protocols on how to get people in. We're testing an RSVP system out. We're testing all these things that haven't been built properly, um, without using third party apps. We're trying to build it all ourselves. Um, and then we're gonna mix the record. And then we have a few months to really get ready for tour next year. Tour next year, record comes out. And then we're, you know, hopefully going to be able to get more narrow on this Death Bats Club. We don't want it to be Avenged Sevenfold over here and the Death Bats Club's over here. And they don't talk to each other because they, they hate each other. It's got to be something where we all come together and the benefits of all this. And we have some ideas. I don't want to ruin that because I want it to be a surprise. But we have some ideas for thinking very wide and bringing these people into the space in a safe, healthy way. And then an, 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 an educational way so they understand how to, to keep their stuff safe. And then also have them participate without being members yet. And if they want to become members, they might get a little taste of what it's like to be a member. And that might be really cool for, you know, the, the larger conglomerate of people to get involved. So that's kind of what we have going on. Then we're going to tour for three years. You know, we're going to do what bands do. Amazing. Amazing. Love it. Well, look, it's, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. Um, you know, really enjoyed the conversation and, and, uh, and thank you for sharing those insights and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll look ahead to everything you have coming. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Keep doing the keep doing the good work. Thank you, man. Peace, brother. All right. Thanks, guys. Man, really enjoyed hearing what Matt had to say. Uh, just to make it clear, that Matt Sanders, not not Matt. Matt, Matt. Just you a didn't tired. like what I had to say. <laughs> yeah. I thought I brought my A game. <laughs> it was uh, okay. Okay, both Matts. The really enjoyed hearing what Matts had to say. Um, no, it was, a, it was a fun episode. I think he's super eloquent. I think super knowledgeable about the space and thinking about positioning, thinking about setting a precedent for utility and a, and a true value proposition, not selling an NFT for the sake of an NFT, but rather really reimagining what it means to be a fan and how Web3 can create this more prosperous experience and model of engagement, support and ambassadorship grounded through an NFT. What stood out to you, Matt? Yeah, I just loved his perspective. Um, I thought he was incredibly insightful when he spoke about the challenges that they faced in bringing uh, NFTs and, and this technology to, um, you know, an older and more legacy audience. And, um, you know, I loved his points about the, those A-level metal bands that are, you know, low-key DJs. You know, I know there's the same. I, I know some people in the dance music world, in the pop music world. Like, it's good to hear. There are a lot of people waiting, waiting on the sidelines who are, who are ready to, to, to jump in. Um, as, as the climate continues to develop. Um, also, really interesting point. You know, I was also reminded how much we sometimes live in an echo chamber on Twitter because, you know, I saw when, when Death Bats Club launched, I saw mixed reactions, positive, negative. I didn't see so much of the backlash that he described on Reddit. And it's important for us to remember that there are so many other demographics, different platforms that we may not be interacting with day to day. But, but are no less important as we try to bring uh, NFTs from niche to mainstream. So that was a great reminder. Yeah, 1000%. Well, uh, thank you everybody for tuning in. Really appreciate your support. We will be back next week, but until then, we out.